This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Now you're talking my language. You can hear The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 till 6 on WSJS. Welcome to a Wednesday Drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where our show will be slightly shortened today due to Duke basketball pregame coverage. Rather than being off at 6... We'll be off the air at 5.30, passing along the baton to David Jumate and company. So just wanted to pass along a, a heads up to open up today. Now a PSA for Wake Forest fans, and I want all of Deke Town to hear me. Stay away from bridges and sharp objects. It's not time to panic. Stop it. They lost to Notre Dame last night. The sky's not falling. In fact... Last night changed very little about Wake Forest NCAA tournament chances because this is the reality. Losses like last night happen, especially on the road. Virginia lost in that building earlier this year by 23 points. Pretty much everybody agrees they're in the NCAA tournament right now. Duke and North Carolina lost at Georgia Tech. There are only two teams that have Fewer wins in ACC play than the uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Georgia Tech and Louisville. Duke lost at Georgia Tech. North Carolina lost at Georgia Tech. Clemson lost to the Jackets at Little John. Okay. At home. These losses happen. It was a classic trap game after the Duke win. We predicted it on the show at this time yesterday. It's human nature. Plus a team that was that is now two and eight on the road, falling on the road. Here's what Wake needs to do now. Just win two of your last three games, and you're good. Regardless of what happens in DC. Win two of your last three games, and you're good. They likely needed to beat Clemson or Virginia Tech anyway, regardless of what happened last night. Two of the last three games are at home. Wake. Last I checked, unbeaten at home this year. So just don't have that change. Your last two games. You crushed Virginia at home. You beat Duke last weekend. Beat Georgia Tech next Tuesday night. Beat Clemson. And you're good. A win at Virginia Tech will just be icing on the cake. This is how solid Wake Forest is. Despite what happened last night. Even ESPN's Joe Lenardi is out there saying, yeah, this didn't change much. The guy who's spent all season sliding the Deeks, sliding the ACC, even he said on television last night, yeah, Wake Forest is not even one of my last four, and they're still on the next four buys line after losing at Notre Dame because this is how the net works and how flawed it is. Even though Wake lost to Notre Dame and it was a quad three loss as of last night, Notre Dame beating Wake was such a good win for them that they're no longer a quad three loss. It's now a quad two loss. There's the net for you. Clemson is the most important game remaining on the schedule now. This is where I will say last night was meaningful. It wasn't in terms of Wake's NCAA tournament resume and their, you know, the bubble watch where they currently stand, it's how they're positioned for the ACC tournament. See, after the Tigers won at Little John last night, okay, they 
tied Wake Forest for fourth in the league standings. Wake and Clemson currently stand at 10 and 7. The top four get double buys in the ACC tournament in D.C. The regular season finale between Wake and Clemson, who have not played to this point this year, it's in Winston-Salem. The winner of that game likely gets a double bye to the ACC tournament. That is the most important game on the schedule. Coaches will say, oh, the next game's the most important. Got it. Cool. Great. Insightful. But Clemson, it being a quad one and likely deciding a double bye to the ACC tournament, that's the most important game left. Last night doesn't really change all that much. You can reach out to the show on X at WSJS Radio or give us a call, 336-777-1600. The executive producer of this show is Will Dalton. WD, were you more bummed by Wake or your Hornets last night? I mean, I have no allegiance to Wake Forest, so other than the fact that I thought they'd be just fine. so Steve Forbes is our guy. See, Sarah Bradford He's went to guy. Virginia, and she roots for Wake because she roots for Steve Forbes. Notre Dame. I was more upset about the Hornets. They're my right. team. On today's show, you're going to review Blazing Saddles, which you watched for the first time. Yeah, I'm going to attempt to do that. WD doesn't know how he's going to recap that. That's fun. Uh -uh. We'll get to your next movie (laughs) in just a bit. Wes Durham will join us in about 20 minutes. There's the ACC Network one-hour documentary tonight after Duke and Louisville where Wes at midcourt center jump circle of the Greensboro Coliseum Spent time with Coach K and Roy Williams together. That'll be on the ACC Network, and Wes will be here in about 20 minutes. But let's get to this. While the ACC had a bad night last night, with Wake losing and Pitt pretty much falling off the bubble, David Tepper's day-to-day has been worse. It was concerts. It's been a bad day for the Panthers owner, and here's why. An NFLPA survey ranked him the 28th best owner in the National Football League. And... Here's the thing. It didn't look like it was going to be all that bad when you started looking at the report card. You look top to bottom of this thing, and there are a bunch of A's. There's some B's. Things like treatment of family, food cafeteria, an A in terms of training staff, strength coaches, head coach. Frank Reich actually got an A- minus among players team travel, like all of its A's, B's, a couple of C's. It looks like my report card back when I was in high school. But then at the bottom, it says ownership, D, 28th. How'd that happen? Well, apparently, players aren't all that happy about the fact they play on a turf field. The Panthers had players surveyed about their preferences, turf field or grass field, 100%. Think about the things in this country you can get 100% of people to agree upon. Think about that. 100% said, yeah, we want a grass field. And David Tepper said, concerts. You know, it's concerts. So we're going turf field. Too many events turning over here. We're going to prioritize those, even though I'm worth $20 billion. We can maintain a grass field, figure it out. For those Sundays throughout the year, you figured it out when Chelsea came to town that one time a couple of years ago. Figure it out for your eight or nine home games a year. Do that, Mr. Concerts. You know, with concerts. This news comes, not great timing, 
as the Panthers announced an increase in season ticket prices for certain parts of Bank of America Stadium. Lower level seating, this is according to The Observer, could see price hikes of 7%. Overall, it's seen to be about a 4% increase for the entire stadium, like averaging it all out after the Panthers went 2-15 and 15 last year. First take got wind of this, and Mad Dog Russo was ready to tee off on Tapper. 4%. That is a complete, utter disgrace. And for an owner who has absolutely no good PR... Okay, that's the last thing you do to your fan base who have allowed the year when you're throwing water in Jacksonville at the fans because you're upset that you lost to the Jaguars. You know what? I got an idea to fix our problem. Let's charge them more money to see the garbage that we put on the field. That is a, I don't know who came up with that idea. You give them a discount off that kind of season, not a price increase. That dog still got heat. Then Stephen A. Smith had a turn at the plate. This is a man that used to be a minority owner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Considering their tradition, the stability, and everything associated with the Steelers franchise, for you to become an owner in Carolina and to look and appear this in F this quickly, it's got to be alarming to the National Football League that they allow this man to own a team. It's a bad sign. And you charge more money when they won one game? Yeah. Curtisville! I was about to say, you cut out the part of the clip where Stephen A. said, I know where Charlotte is. It's an hour and a half up I-85 from... Curtisville! (laughs) David Tepper's becoming the league's new Dan Schneider. Now, I've heard people say that, and I disagree with it in this sense. Some are saying, oh, he's like just like Schneider. No, he isn't. Like, he's not dictating contracts. We need to sign this guy and give him a record deal. He's not doing the Deion Sanders signing or anything like that. It's not what he is. There aren't off-the-field cheerleader scandals or an organization that's just plagued with harassment. David Tepper's replacing the harassment guy. That's not who Tepper is if we're going to defend him a little bit. Here's what I mean when I say he's becoming the new Dan Schneider. He's becoming the avatar for bad ownership in the sport. Every sport needs this guy. The NBA, it's James Dolan and... In the NFL, it was Dan Schneider for the longest. He's not there anymore. So who is the avatar that national shows like First Take could tee off of? Who's the guy that's easy to make fun of and say that's what bad ownership looks like? The the avatar that Mad Dog Russo or Stephen A. Smith can go after. That's, that's what David Tepper's becoming. And that way he's becoming the new Dan Schneider in the NFL. It's the drive with Josh Graham. WSJS. Tonight, 7 o'clock, Duke basketball faces Louisville on ACC Network. Following that, this is really exciting. Roy and Coach K rivals reunited. A chat that happened last summer right here in the triad that was officiated. Well, that's the word we'll use by Wes Durham, who joins us. Sounds like somebody's getting married. That's not even close (laughs) to the case. (laughs) You entertain yourself with words like that sometimes? Sometimes. Yes, he does. Words. Very fun. Wes Durham joining us now. We look forward. It's an hour-long program, 9 to 10 o'clock tonight on the network. Background. How you you doing? I'm, I'm well. And 
I remember we chatted the day that this happened later on, and you were very mm-hmm. excited about it. Yeah. How did Greensboro become the site for this chat? Oh, this is now late. This is I, we were brought to this. Um, you're familiar with the East West All Star Game, which is a function of the North Carolina Coaches Association, and Mac Morris and Phil Weaver, longtime stewards of that organization. Uh, Mac contacted uh, a mutual friend of ours, and I was asked about 13 months ago if I'd be interested in doing this. And Coach and I had Coach Morris and I had a conversation, and then his next question was somewhere along the lines of, "Do you think somebody would want to televise this or tape it?" And I said, "I feel fairly confident somebody would want to do that." And uh, I, I said, "Let me see what I can find out from the people that I work with." Uh, one conversation with ESPN and the production side of that house, uh, a guy named Joe Disney, no relation to Walt. Um, Joe and I had a conversation, Aaron Katzman at the time with ACC Network and I had a conversation. And then it was kind of delivered to Raycom because Raycom and ESPN have a production agreement on some standard programming, what I call static programming, which is uh, made for ACC Network exclusive type things. Um some people may have seen the origin show, um, things of that nature that, that Raycom does. And so I got to work with my friend, Rob Reichley, who's executive producer at Raycom. Uh, Jordan Smith was our project producer and Josh, I, I'm going to tell you now, we had the best video people we could have. We had a unbelievable Emmy award winning, accomplishing video crew for this event. And I think it is a beautiful show, whether I screw it up or not, it's a beautiful show. And Roy and Mike are fantastic. And they agreed to it. They later were asked if it'd be okay if we taped it. They were fine with it. And then Jordan and Rob and I kind of collaborated on how we would go about trying to take a one hour and 28 minute visit and get what we thought would be 49 and a half minutes of content. And that's what we went to work on. Was there anything specific that Roy or Kay wanted to talk about? How do you formulate something that seemed to be very abstract in the way that you described it of this is a chat for some people for a certain thing and now becoming yeah. a taped product that is for television months well, later? That's, yeah, that's a good question. What we did was we uh, kind of stuck with the wishes of, the, of Phil and Mac, Phil Weaver and Mac Morris, in that we said, okay, there are going to be some things in here about coaching and leadership and building teams and being successful and what made them successful, right? Those are the type of things you want to hear if you're a clinician at the North Carolina Coaches Clinic, right? Um, there are also going to be some stories about building those programs, overcoming adversity. Well, one of the things that Rob and Jordan and I had to kind of decide was which way we're we going to go here. Are we going to do, there are two ways you can do it. If you, you know, you're taking reporting classes, interview classes, half moon or chronology, right? Yeah. You can do the half moon, which is you, you know, gutter kind of left to right. And you start with one way and you create either ups or downs based on that. Or you go chronologically, the earth cooled. And when did you decide you wanted to be a basketball coach? Right. <laughs> and that's kind of what we did. We start first question of the show tonight is so. When did you know you wanted to be a basketball coach? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the simplistic way to start. So you kind of go that way. And then all the other stuff takes care of itself. Now you do build subsets if 
if there's an answer that comes along and they give you something you're not expecting, well, then maybe you can go to another tier over here or another tier over there. To hold but you up, to hold you up, that's the piece that I'm most interested in because you yeah. know these people so well and mm -hmm. so much history you've had with them. Not right. to spoil anything tonight, it's probably all going to be very good this one hour, but did, was there anything said that you remember that you're like, wow, I didn't know that? Oh, yeah. There are going to be a couple things tonight that you're going to hear – Roy tells a recruiting story that does not name the player about going to recruit a kid and five, ten minutes in, doesn't like the environment in the house with the kid and the parent and leaves. Um, Mike tells some funny stories. They also talk about, and, and this just kind of adds to it a little bit, that tonight there will be a question, and they've already run kind of a tease on the ACC network, you know, how do you know a great team? What makes it – what's the difference between a great team and a championship team? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And there are a couple of other things on there. And then at the end, we talk about being retired and, you know, what it's like to go sit at the games and not coach the games. And, um, and then we talk about the landscape of the college game as it related to them last July when we taped this. West Durham is with us here. Rivals reunited, Coach K and Roy Williams, ACC Network, 9 o'clock tonight. Ish, ish. Ish. 907, 9-12. Yeah. Duke, uh, Louisville, I'll, depending I'll be there. Depending on free throws. Depending on free throws. I've got it taped because I'll be at Duke, uh, Louisville later on tonight. But uh, Boy, you're really you're really digging tonight, aren't you, going to Duke and Louisville? That's that's what we're doing. Got to see, see how Flip's knee's doing. That's what I we're going to be fine. Yeah, I think, I, fine. I think it's going to be fine, too. Yeah. But um, Steve Forbes said something interesting. Jocker a couple of days ago when he was talking about the responsibility he felt to defend the league when he feels like it's been attacked and the Lenardi stuff's gone viral where he's said, I'm not criticizing bracketology. I'm criticizing him talking about specific ACC players of the year as if that's a knock on our league. Right. And it just had me thinking about Roy and Kay and it's like, well, those guys retired and both those guys felt that responsibility. They talked about it and they spoke their opinion. There are a lot of coaches that are doing that right now in the ACC. Steve Forbes said he didn't want to call anybody out, but he felt that responsibility. What do you make about the responsibility to defend the ACC amid this air quote perception problem that we've seen talked about? Well, first of all, I think Brad Brownell did some of it. Yes. Steve Steve did some of it. Uh, Jim Beheim did some of it last week on our broadcast from Atlanta. Um, you know, and he retired. So, I mean, you, you're losing some of that authoritative voice, right? Kay, Roy, Jim Beheim. That's, that's three pretty big hammers in the shed. Um, I, I'm glad Brad said something uh, that got Scott Van Pelt off his couch to, you know, honor it last night, talking about one big thing, which I thought was important. On the night. I, I think what Steve said was huge Saturday after the game. I think what he said on Pack and Taylor shows important too. I mean, look, nobody's hating on Joe Lenardi for crafting a business, right? I mean, Joe's, Joe's done a marvelous job of bringing something to the table that people have a lot of interest in, and good for him. However, don't tell me this league doesn't have players, which is what he said, and I thought Steve addressed it appropriately. I would also say this, too. Don't tell me that the net doesn't have flaws. It does. And it took a couple of years for everybody to figure it out. But, you know, Josh, they get, these guys are smart now. They figured it out. And a lot of people 
understand that there's a reason the ACC's numbers have gone down in terms of tournament participation, but yet they continue to get some depth into the tournament, right? I think that's a point that had to be reinforced, especially when I look, there are a couple leagues out there, and I don't follow those leagues game to game, so it's hard for me to qualify. But I have a really hard time believing that nine teams from the Southeastern Conference are going to go to the NCAA tournament. I mean, I've watched enough of the SEC to say, yeah, there's some good teams there. Kentucky is a good team. Tennessee is a good team. But the ACC split with the SEC and the ACC SEC challenge and beat the Big 12 nine to three. Right. And well, and didn't play Kansas in that equation, right? Fine. Fine. But you still beat TCU, who's pretty good. You do beat Baylor, right? Miami beat K State. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, you got. A handful of teams with they've got wins over this legendary Mountain West Conference that all of a sudden uh-huh. has come out of nowhere. Kind of related to that, West Durham's with us. We got to talk about Wake Forest since we got you here because Winston. I didn't know if you know this, uh, West, but Winston Salem, North Carolina, is the epicenter of college basketball discussion right now uh, and ACC discussion certainly with it's, Wake. It's the epicenter of discussion in college basketball when the game ends josh that's right so i'm just gonna let you choose your own adventure to close things out so to speak uh they i'll be there a week from saturday so i'm not going to get very adventurous clemson uh wake forest that is a massive game especially after what happened last night with clemson and also with wake they seem to be the acc team closest to wherever that cut line is for the ncaa tournament and of course you mentioned the extracurriculars on the floor at the joel on saturday what part of the discussion surrounding Wake Forest most interests you? The play of the team on the floor. Because you- that, do you agree that might have been the game of the year in the ACC? 52% Duke shot, 11 lead changes, actually 14 lead changes. Duke hit 11 threes and Wake shot 70% in the second half. Nobody's even mentioned that. <laughs> right. Because we're worried about the post game. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Look, I I understand. I I totally understand that. But I also understand, too, that Wake Forest, you know, put their flag in the ground in terms of an NCAA tournament appearance. Hunter Salas, in my opinion, locked up a first-team All-ACC spot. I agree. Um, You know, it was a great 40 minutes of basketball and a bad two-and-a-half minutes after the game ended. And maybe a couple fractions of a second before the game ended. But all that being said, everybody has said the right thing. Everybody has tried to do the right thing. Do I personally think the Atlantic Coast Conference needs a court-storming policy like its colleagues? Yes, I do. I happen to think that. But also I'm a realist in that the only time courts ever get stormed is when Duke and Carolina lose on the road. Fact. Yeah. In the SEC, hell, I mean, Missouri could win a game somewhere and all of a sudden, bang, you know, here's a court storming. So, but I also understand Duke and Carolina are the pr- principal arbiters on the road of court storms. And also know that that is the second time this year Duke has been through what I would call an above average court storm. Arkansas, Arkansas and Wake Forest are two of the more Here's what they had in common. compelling landscapes. Both were record crowds for the building. For, it was sure. a record crowd at Bub Walton and a record crowd at the Joel. Right. Well, and again, Duke and Carolina. So I do believe we have to be concerned, no matter what you think about the actions on the floor, 
we do have to be concerned about player safety in that environment. And this is, and people I've been countered with, well, what about football? Football is a broader landscape. It's a much more bigger area. And quite frankly, some of the things that happen in football field stormings are never mentioned after the game. Yeah. You hear about them. Oh, somebody broke a leg. We had a guy who fell and broke an arm. Right. Because they're going over a wall. They're doing something they shouldn't do. It's easier access in basketball than traditionally it is in football. And they got helmets. The players got helmets. Yeah. But do we also need to... Do we also need to make sure that player safety is taken care of? Sure. Building oper- I'm not I'm not an expert in game ops, right? I don't pretend to be. I, I'm, I've been in a situation where a student or spectator ran over the top of our broadcast table. I've been there. I know what that's like. And it's it's a little scary at times. Nine o'clock tonight, Roy Williams, ish. Coach ish. K ish. After Duke and Louisville, Roy Williams, Coach K, rivals for United. We look forward to watching it. Congrats on all of it. It's pretty cool. And uh, thanks thanks so much for spending the time with us as well, Wes. We'll see you in Winston-Salem next week. Always good to see you guys. Take care. Ding, ding, boys. School's in session. Let's go, man. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Last night was a disastrous night for the ACC. We could talk about that in a little bit. Tonight probably will not be that because our show is slightly truncated. We'll be getting off at around 5.30 because of Duke basketball pregame. I'll be at that game tonight against Louisville. Like Duke's chances in that game. I also like the Greensboro Swarm's chances against Delaware tonight. We're welcoming in the head coach of the Swarm, Jordan Surencamp, joins us now. And it can be a delightful night for you Friday night. If you'd like to go see the Swarm at the Fieldhouse, give us a call right now, 336-777-1600. The first to call in gets tickets to go see the Swarm Friday night at the Fieldhouse. Get your tickets, gsoswarm.com. Jordan, it doesn't seem like a coincidence. I'm not a big fan of coincidences. But since the deadline, the Charlotte Hornets... Five and two. The Greensboro Swarm have won five of their last six. It seems like Charlotte did a pretty nice job. The organization did a pretty nice job at the deadline, making both squads better. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's been an exciting stretch here for us. Obviously, we're playing really good basketball. And, you know, a lot of that is is the complimentary pieces that we were able to get from Charlotte. You know, Nathan Mensa back with us. Uh, as a two-way, Leaky Black with us more full-time as a two-way. And then obviously Nick Smith coming down um, has been a big catalyst for a lot of the winning that we've been doing. But it's a testament to everybody in our locker room, and it's a testament to the group that we had here in Greensboro all year, just continuing to be about the right things and play the right way. And, you know, being able to see the benefits of doing that now is is exciting for them. And obviously the excitement in Charlotte as well, bringing in guys like Seth Curry and and Grant Williams and Trey Mann. Uh, just really cool building pieces and really exciting guys to have in your locker room. Um, and, you, and you see the benefits that it's, it's playing out there as well. I want to, I don't know if we're combatants on this, if we're on different sides, but we'll find out together. Kind of like when I figured out you were an Indiana guy and we were talking about where basketball means more North Carolina, Indiana, that type of thing. I'm fine. If we disagree, it, it might make things more fun. Last night, the play of the night in the NBA 
was the 60-foot shot that was hit by Cleveland to beat Dallas. And Colorado State had something, or pardon me, Nevada had something similar against Colorado State to win at the buzzer. The differences between the two, the Cleveland Cavaliers didn't have any timeout, so they couldn't advance the ball. They would have if they had the timeout. Nevada did have a timeout, but you don't advance the ball in college. I am of the belief that just because of those types of plays, the Cleveland 60-foot shot, the Nevada shot at the end of the game, that it is better for basketball as a whole to have the college rule versus the NBA rule of advancing the ball. I don't think just having a timeout should earn you 50, 60 feet up the court. Where do you stand on it? As a head coach who has won games for advancing the ball late, uh, I'm going to have to say that I'm a fan of advancing the ball. Uh, but no, I mean, it's it's an interesting dynamic, uh, and it's something that, again, being at this level now and being out of the college game, you kind of forget about those types of like nuances. But uh, it does make the game more exciting. It also, uh, in some situations, obviously, if there's like one second left, you get the half-court heaves and stuff. But what it does do is it puts more – um, responsibility on the players to make plays. Whereas at the NBA and the G League level, you call a timeout. You know, we have, I have a list of plays that I could go to in those moments that I feel pretty confident if we execute it, we're going to get a good, clean look. Um, whereas in college, you know, you, you bring it up the floor and it becomes about more about players making plays. So I'm on the fence. Uh, I, I'm kind of indifferent about it. But if I had to lean one way, I would say advancing the ball. Um, to give yourself the best chance to win versus just kind of the hecticness of the college game. This is the difference between a coach's opinion and a guy who's just, who loves the sport as a fan. I just don't want to remove the Leitner play from basketball. Sure. Like, that play is not the iconic play that it is. If coach K can advance the ball with a timeout. Totally, totally agree. And there's been possessions this year in games where we've had timeouts with 15 seconds to go and we've been down two and I haven't called one and I've let, you know, we have Amari Bailey, you know, we have these guys that, you know, we just put a lot of trust and confidence in. And sometimes, especially if it's a missed shot, missed free throw, whatever, right. The randomness of running in transition and teams not being able to get matched up is the better advantage. You know, we got news on the way out that we need to tend to, cause we hadn't chat chatted in a while. WD last night, Watched Blazing Saddles for the first time. Yes, I did. He's going to recap that later this hour. Very exciting stuff. Attempt to. He's very tired. <laughs> tired of playing the game. And uh, he also had Raising Canes for the first time since the last Ooh. time we chat, chatted. WD, recap your thoughts of that real quickly. The Raising Canes. Good tenders. We're, we're fans of, we're tender connoisseurs. We like we tendies. Go a, we go to a lot of different places. Fair. Very good crispiness. What was the sauce that they give you? Uh, I think it's just cane sauce. Cane, cane sauce, sauce. Really good. And typically crinkle cut fries, not anything special. Theirs, however, really, really good. Some people were talking about, like, uh, they think that this is a game. Like, oh, man, Ooh. tendies and all this. Like, It's a game. No, <laughs> that's a game changer. <laughs> game changer. Yeah. Did the question is, did you keep the order the same or did you substitute? Because I always cut out the coleslaw 
Same. Add, we did. Add, we did. I add the extra piece of Texas toast every single time. Toast? I added toast. Fries. We added fries. Toast. Yeah. No, I added the toast. <laughs> uh, Jordan Surencamp, do me a favor. Get a win tonight and then add some toast to whatever you have after the game. How's that sound? Abs- absolutely. Going to get it done. You got it. I hope you do. Jordan Surencamp joining us on WSJS. Toast. Good crinkle fries over there. I'm uh, just you. toast. Who does that? I don't know anybody who gets toast as being, hey, can I have an extra piece of toast? Get out of here with that. WD, it is fun watching ACC basketball. And when you have picks on the line, just a fun game to play. Underdog fantasy. You can play their newly put together pick'em game. You're ready to play like a champion. This message, again, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easy-to-use Underdog Fantasy app. Must be 18 and or older in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply, and if you're concerned with your play, visit morethanagame.nc.gov. Reasonable gambling. Or reasonable, uh, responsible gaming is what we're looking to talk about here. Um, that is what is being suggested by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. So wanting to pass that along. Okay, let's shift the conversation a bit because we promised the ACC last night. Didn't have a great night, WD. Was not great. The ACC... Their ceiling for teams that can make the NCAA tournament shrunk last night. I think the ceiling's five. There is a chance things could go bad and you could get four. If the ACC gets three, we're going to riot. I don't know who's leading the riot, but it's probably going to happen. It's not great. Wow, it's raining a lot outside. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a fun ride to Durham in a bit for yours truly. (laughs) Pittsburgh... Lost to Clemson at Little John Coliseum. Okay. Virginia Tech lost at Syracuse. They're too far away from the bubble now. Pitt does not have any more games remaining in the regular season that would impress anybody, unfortunately. That's because of the state of the ACC's perception and the net and how the numbers have been cooked up. There's just not a path there for Pitt. And there's just not a path there for Virginia Tech. So in order for the ACC to get a sixth team in, it's got to be like 2022 where Virginia Tech goes on a run and wins the ACC championship. It's got to be like that. Pittsburgh has to go on a run, play Wednesday through Saturday, and win an ACC championship. Maybe get to the championship game. I don't know in Pittsburgh's case. But still, that's what needs to happen. Likely we're looking at five teams because Wake Forest is making things difficult for themselves. Losing to Notre Dame. It narrows the margin for error. Like, I I still believe Wake, to feel good on Selection Sunday, needed to be either Virginia Tech or Clemson. But I did feel Wake was probably still going to get in with wins against Notre Dame, or, or Notre Dame and Georgia Tech if they lost those two quad one games. I, I still felt two and two, regardless of where you got the two wins, were probably still going to be enough, but... Now you blew that opportunity. Like Wake could have been in a position today where if they win any of the last three games, including Georgia Tech at home, 
they're into the tournament. Now they're making things a little bit tougher. But I, I don't think that loss is as bad as some people are making it out to be. NC State lost at Florida State. They they let Florida State score 90 points on them? Wow. NC State's not going to win another game this year. If you think that's a hot take, here are their three remaining games. You tell me which of these three are going to be the win. At North Carolina Saturday. Home against Duke next week. At Pittsburgh. We suck. You tell me. Oh, you might be a Wolfpack fan. You might be thinking, Josh, you're an NC State hater. Okay, you tell me which of those games are going to win. If they're not going to win at Florida State, they're not going to win that game. Okay, well, you're going to win at Pittsburgh now? Who beat you in your place? And you're going to win at North Carolina? Who beat you in your place? Are you going to beat Duke? Oh, it's a home game. That's their one remaining home game. Okay, I guess there you go. If you don't beat Duke, you're going to lose out. But I think, I don't know if you're going to beat Duke. So I think there's a really strong chance State's going to lose out. And if they lose out, man, they were 17-10 and 10 going into the last night. 17-14 and 14 don't look very good. And if you lose your first game in D.C., 17-15, and 15, I don't know if Kevin Keats is coming back from that. Mm. I think Kevin Keats might be in real trouble. I really do. And I, I don't say that happily. I, I like Kevin Keats. But man, that's tough for the pack. This is it. You ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it. All right, listen up. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. Catchy theme song. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. The Mel Brooks classic, Blazing Saddles. As suggested by my buddy Tom Septon, who works here, we're going to Duke tonight in just a bit, despite how lovely it is outside. Good thing they play the game indoors. Wake, Louisville. Septon's never been to Cameron before, so that should be fun. Let's get to... At the movies, before we decide what movie you're going to do next week, the 50-year anniversary of Blazing Saddles. Unless you're talking about Star Wars. Obi-Wan has taught you well. Movies aren't exactly Will's thing. I don't get it. You uncultured swine! But that's about to change because Josh can't stand it anymore. This is At the Movies with Will Dalton. WD, do you want to share the text message you sent me this morning after you watched Blazing Saddles? Yeah, let me uh, let me pull this up real fast. This is I, a text I received. I said, "How the hell do I talk about this movie on air?" <laughs> well, when you think about it, this might fall into what you liked about this movie. The theme, I think, the moral of the story, the lesson from the story, is actually way ahead of its time. In the sense of, what is the story? That racism, people that are racist, are not that smart. And that yeah. anybody can do a job like being the sheriff. Right? They they mock 
anybody who is cartoonishly racist in this movie. So in that sense, it ages well. We kind of joked, oh, I don't know if we'll be able to do this movie, whatever, last week. And then I went to the Wake basketball game, and a handful of people were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there, there is a word that they say a lot in this a movie lot. that <laughs> might leave some to have some pause. But <laughs> what did you like about Blazing Saddles? I'll put it to you. I um, enjoyed the singing at the beginning. Great singing. Singing at the railroad. Uh-huh. Uh, that was funny. When uh, he was coming to the town for the first time as the sheriff, <laughs> and they see him coming, and the guy, I guess the lookout, kept trying to shout down they had to the people. The, they had the bell. The bell every time he said uh-huh. the guy was coming. Yeah. That's how I'm going to put that. Uh, the be- uh, The campfire scene. When yeah. they were eating the beans. A lot of beans. That that was really good. And then um, the uh, the governor, or, or whoever that was. <laughs> that guy did make me laugh he, quite a bit. And he had, what was it, Gov on the back of his coat? Yes, and he had a very attractive woman with him. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Some so might was... define attractiveness differently. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. She, she might not have the best of morals, this you lady. Say, you could say that. Maybe not. So all, all things I enjoyed about what this What did you not like about Blazing Saddles? Because you liked this movie. I did like this movie. I mean, it is... Can we play... Can we just say blatant racism that wouldn't it's be put very, in a comedy today? It's a very... Well, I mean, you just pointed out, I guess, the good side of that people are so afraid to do something even if the message is good right they're so afraid to do something that they uh they they will turn blazing saddles if blazing saddles were made actually <laughs> blazing saddles were was made in the last 10 to 12 years you know what it was called 12 years a slave that's what it would be like because you can't make fun of anything surrounding something it's, we were talking about Shane Gillis's comedy yeah. uh, over the weekend. People got mad because he was talking. He said certain words. That, oh, no, no. Com- comedians can't say certain words. Just like Blazing Saddles. They say, oh, no, no. You can't say certain words. It's like, well, wait. What What was? What were they trying to say? Oh, wait. This is a heartening message. This is a good message. Oh, you just don't like certain words that are said, which is weird. Like, yeah. not, a, not a great I'm a more Word. of an actions versus a words guy. Oh, I'm with you. I'm Generally, with you, even though yeah. West Durham loved my words earlier. He did love the way words. I, I picked things out. But yeah, there, there are things that you just wouldn't do today. But to be fair, again, in their defense, they didn't glorify racism. No, no, no. They were making fun of it. Right, right. Because it's a comedy. And you brought that point up very, very well, I thought. Best quote. <laughs> <laughs> I understand there's a new sheriff in town. Who wants to kill him? Excuse me while I whip this thing out. <laughs> it's the declaration of him being a sheriff. Throw uh, something on and stay in that position. Yeah, there are two there are two quotes I have written down that I think are the best quotes in this movie that I can say on air. You ready for this? Yeah. My name is Jim. And most people call me Jim. <laughs> that one's good. Yeah. Or when they were trying to get the racist to chase after him, 
and they pulled him out from hiding behind a rock. What did he say to try and get the racist mad at him? Hey, where are the white women at? <laughs> That's a pretty good one, too. Uh, I did enjoy this movie. I really did. Rotten Tomatoes score 50 year anniversary for Blazing Saddles. Ooh, this is tricky. Audience score. Audience. Let me uh, try a 75. Blazing Saddles comes in at 91%. Really? And that's been At the Movies with the WD. Oh, this is a good one that was sent in. Mongle, only pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> it's a really... I guess I underestimated this. 91, huh? It's great. Excellent movie. And did you know that the Gov was... Played by the guy who made the movie, Mel Brooks. I do now. Yeah, I mean, and then you had, I mean, this movie was so ahead of its time. It broke down the fourth wall where they're on yeah. the the lot in the L.A. Set. and they're running around Los Angeles and yeah. going to the movies. Very meta. Uh-huh. Uh, not a lot of movies did that before that. 50-year anniversary, again, of Blazing Saddles. Now let's get to next week's movie, shall we? 336-777-1600 if you want in, by the way. The options for next week. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, 97. Bridesmaids, 2011. Pitch Perfect, 2012. La La Land, 2016. I think we have a clear winner here of what the movie is, but I'll count them down from fourth to first because it is substantial right now. Receiving the fourth most votes, predictably. La La Land. Receiving the third most votes, Pitch Perfect. Receiving the second most votes as the runner-up for the movie that WD is going to watch next week, Bridesmaids. Which means WD, and I think I agree with this, Robert Walsh is saying, uh, this is a no-brainer, with 51% of the vote, Austin Powers, International Ah. Man of Mystery is your movie for... Next week. I finally get to Oh, yeah, it. baby. Is Beyonce in this? No. Oh. She's in the third one. There's one that came out in 97. This is the original. There's one that comes out came out in 99. And then 2001 or 2002 was Gold Member, and she was in it. And she was really bad in it. She wasn't good. Oh. I don't know if the Beehive's going to come after me for that, but that's the truth. Like, she wasn't. Which one is Molly, Molly, Molly? <laughs> You'll have to find out. Oh, I see. Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, your movie for next week.